So a lot of people ask me, um, what are what's the education level of people in Pinnacle? And it, it always surprises people to hear that because I think they all assume that everybody's like super smart and educated. Well, they're all super smart, but they're not all super educated. Um, there's people in Pinnacle that have made millions that have high school educations, and um, and yet there's people with advanced degrees. And uh, Robin Bland, uh, my colleague, um, has an advanced degree, um, as do I. But that's not what makes us readers. And what I remembered when, before Robin and I were colleagues, and we'd meet at Pinnacle Society meetings, you guys know that I love quotes, and so I would, I would do a quote, and if it wasn't for the fact that Robin was in the room, I would get away with the people thinking it was me. But Robin always knew who I was actually quoting, uh, and so she was still my thunder. So, Rob, thanks for joining us. So let's talk a little bit about um, reading. So I, I was I was thinking about how you are, you've always been a reader, but you're always you're also into you're a Tony Robbins person. Did you? Follow Robbins by going to him first and then buying his books? Or did you buy the books oh, no. and then say, I got to go see this guy? No, 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 no. I didn't even know anything about his books. I'd never heard of them. I mean, I didn't even know really? what they were. No, I was not into the whole self helpy type of stuff. I mean, I have a degree in literary studies and a master's in education and a, and a, a, law, a law degree. But it was, um, <clears throat> I literally went to a class. It was, uh, it, was a, it was one of these, you know, wealth management classes. Uh, kind of symposiums and they had a whole bunch of people there the guy that wrote rich dad you know poor dad i think is what it yeah. was and so um i went there to go and actually see how other people sold that was my interest i mean i'm just kind mm -hmm. of a learner personality so i wanted to see how do real estate people sell how do you know people that do stock market how do they sell all that stuff and so i decided well i'm gonna go there and i saw tony robbins did a little tiny small little um i don't know just a little bit of a of a, of a, of a Tiny little sampling of what he does, and so mm -hmm. I was like, "Well, that was kind of interesting." And I was still kind of like, "Oh, this guy is kind of a hardcore salesperson, and that's all lovely and fine, but I'm not rubbing anybody's back." And um, <laughs> sure enough, the lady sitting next to me is like, "You know, hey, I used to be—I was a real estate agent, and I was like at the very bottom because I'm the number one real estate agent in all of Oklahoma, which obviously is Oklahoma." But she goes, "But I'm about to open up an office in Texas, and I tend to do the same thing here." So I was like, "Well, that's pretty impressive." So then when I started, you know, I went to some of the things. So then I did start reading. His, his books and of course those started I mean I'd always been a reader anyway but anytime I would ever meet anybody I was like okay that guy said something smart and I would read that book I mean I don't care right. if I agree with you philosophically politically religiously if you said something intelligent I'm like well let me go and read that book because in my mind if you do something you know I can I, I took I went to college for years and years and years but I'm sitting here going if I can read a book for two or three you know take me half a day a couple hours whatever it might be that person probably spent 10 years writing that book. And right. so I can, I can read in, in two or three hours what it took you 10 years to put together. I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know what's, you know, yeah, but you know what's funny about, I mean, you got to give Tony credit because unlike a lot of those self-help people, um, you know, usually they have a great presence. They know how to present. And then when you read their books, it's sort of a letdown because you were so excited by the intensity of the guy that his writing can't match that presentation, but his does. He has the power when he's he's writing as well. But I think a lot of the younger people um, that work for us say, oh, I don't read books as much, but I watch a lot of TED Talks. I listen to a lot of podcasts, mm -hmm. which look, it's great. You get the information, but 
now that I've read a lot of these books and then you see the TED Talk version of the book, it's really, really dumbed down. And, you, and I don't care who you are, you can't put in 12 minutes what you wrote 300 pages and it took you five years to write. And I always feel like, yeah, read the book. I get that you like the TED Talk, but please read the book. And I'm hearing that that's what you do. If someone says something smart in a TED Talk, you're going to go read their book. And a lot it's of people don't. They just though. feel like they have. It's, it is. It's a yeah. commitment to something. I mean, a TED Talk is kind of like saying, you know, somebody coming over to dinner and saying, well, let me put together a nice dessert. That's lovely. But somebody who puts together the entire seven-course meal, that's impressive. You know what I'm saying? So right, I, I think right, that's the right. difference is like, you know, a TED Talk, I mean, I can come up with a 15-minute speech and put some nice little things in there, and it'll sound pretty and impressive. But putting together 400 pages is a different story altogether, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Although a lot of these people you put on your list, along with Tony Robbins, you put um, uh, Jen Sincero, who wrote this bestseller, um, uh, You Are a Badass, which everybody seems to like. And it was funny because I, I read it and I thought, um, well, okay, she she really just takes like a compendium of all self-help stuff and then puts her really hilarious, hysterical spin on it. But then when I got to the end of it, I was like, Okay, she went from this whole idea of if you just love yourself, then you'll become a badass, which is the initial thing. Um, but then by the end, she had some really interesting thoughts. Like like I see you and I are in a sales business and we're trying to make a lot of money and we know the value of money. Neither one of us came from money as kids, so we just know the value of money. But I, what I love most about You Are a Badass is the part of the book where she talks about people's relationship with money. Like – like we, nobody wants to be known as somebody who lives for money and nobody wants to be perceived as being greedy or being all about money. And yet we spend so much of our life trying to get things <laughs> and acquire things. And we judge each other by what we've done and what we've acquired. And she's basically saying, screw that. It's, it's okay. The line I remember she said that stopped me in my tracks on an airplane was she said, the more you have, the more you can share. Right, yeah, and, and, that and was, I was like, yeah. It all, it all reverberates from a Tony. That that's where it all came back from. Like I learned about money, and Tony Robbins was like, when he read, when you read, he says that, you know, if you have money, it just ex enhances what you already are. If you're a generous person, be more generous. If you're a stingy person, you have more to be stingy about. And that, right. and that when you start getting it, I mean, a lot of people, especially like in sales, when we talk about recruiters that are not successful, and you know, I've had this conversation. It is a lot of times because they are they've been taught, oh my God, money is bad, you know, or that if right. I have a lot of money, I'm going to be this kind of person. Or the worst part is, is that I get money and then it's like, oh, now I got to sustain this. And you yes. know, I think that both her book and, and his book, I think is, like you said, there's a lot of running themes that go through it, but that's the case with almost every book. If you, I was a literary studies major in college and I have, you know, what I learned from my professors was there's only, what do they say, seven or eight different, you know, plot lines. In, right. in the in book. So I think it's the same thing with this. It's just a different way of saying that. Just like when we recruit, you could call somebody and somebody go, wow, that guy and that job is rock and roll. I'm on it. And then I could call him and say the same job, same position. And they're like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, and so it yeah. is different. I think the reason you read a lot of different books is because certain things will speak to you more than others. You know, there's a, the voice is different, but the message can be the same. And we need sometimes to have the message. I mean, as you say in our, a lot of our conf our conferences and your your training is like, why are we still talking about the same damn thing we were talking about 
two right. years ago or three years and four years ago because it right. will always be the problem. We always have to, you know, we, we have to always overcome those obstacles. Yeah, but it's also that, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's a Buddhist saying, but um, it's that saying of when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So one of the reasons why, you, you know, you have to keep drumming the same stuff into Lindsay's ears. Um, and I have to keep saying the same things over and over again at conferences is because, and it's, 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 it's hard uh, because you have to bring the same energy because a, there might be a new person in the room that's never heard it. And, and I find that when I'm, when I'm reading, you are a badass, Emily in my office loved it, loved it. And she doesn't know that Jensen Sero's is basically parroting Tony Robbins or Eckhart Tolle or any of these other people. If you haven't read it, you think, this is the bomb. Just like if you've never heard the original version of a song and you hear a cover, you don't like the original. But the person who heard the original thinks the cover is awful, Let's get right? Real. It's like a, what is it, a 200-page book, Tony Robbins' Awaken the Giant is like 500. So, I mean, sometimes right. it's something that, that somebody can digest in an easy thing. It's And then that's why they can do the TED Talks is because, okay, well, I can digest. That's or I hate to say it, but sometimes attention span. But the reason that, you know, the whole writing becomes important, like we were talking about that book, Stephen King on writing. I had never even yeah. heard of that book. But when you said it in a – I was at, I think it was um, TAPC in Texas, one of those conferences mm -hmm. years ago. I didn't even know who you were, to be honest with you. And yep. I sat there and, and was – you said something about Stephen King. I wrote it in a book, and I wrote Stephen King on writing. You said, this is a book that ever, that really influenced me in recruiting. And I was like, what? On writing? Okay. And, you know, I'm, I want to write the great American novel. So I'm like, well, at least it'll be good for the writing part of it. So I went and I got it home. And then when I read it, I can remember and I underlined this thing and I highlighted it. And I just, I wrote it on a note card and stuck it on my door. And I said, and it said, the reason that he was good at what he did as the most prolific writer is because do it every day. And so exactly. that prompted me to start. I had not really been a reader of you know, nonfiction. I was literary studies. I could read, I could talk to you about classics, Shakespeare, name any, anybody. I could, you know, the American authors, whatever. I could talk to you about any, any kind of um, literary studies. But that was the moment when you told me about that book on writing that I started reading actual books on recruiting because not, not the, or that I said would help me on recruiting self-help books or, you know, other right. people that were business on money. Cause I thought, well, cause he was saying, you know, if you want to be a writer, you've got to read a lot and you got to do it every day. You got to do it every day. So I was like, well, how do I become a really good recruiter? Cause I was kind of a new baby recruiter. And yeah. for me, I was like, well, how do I better become a better recruiter? Well, there's no books on recruiting. Really? There's a couple of books on exactly. sales, but there really was no books on recruiting. I looked. And but what I did is I said, well, what does recruiting? It's about you know knowing people. It's about being organized. It's about being a salesperson. It's about you know being self motivated and not letting you know. It's about being you know not torn down by the the psychological aspects of wanting money you know and not feeling yeah. bad about that. And so I was like, well, I'm going to read every book I can possibly get my hands on that is going to help me in every different aspect of that of that job. And so you know and so like what Stephen King said is do it every day. So I try to read. I mean. I'm like everybody else. I don't read it all the time, but I, I try to read at least one to two books a month. Right. And see, that's the thing that a, a, a really committed, a really great recruiter like you is willing to transpose. I always say this to, I just said it in Houston to Mike Lejeune. It's like you, you, you want to be um, baby fed. Like recruiters only want to hear about recruiting information, but 
I could stand up there Tom blue in the face and did for years and say, great recruiters have discipline. But when I say, look, I just read this Stephen King book on writing, and he says that he literally takes all the applications off his computer other than word processing, doesn't have a TV in his writing room, and literally, now this is a little psycho, but he turns the pictures in his um, in his room uh, around so that he can't see the pictures and closes the blinds and won't come out until he's he's written a thousand words. And if that means it's three o'clock and he's starving, he's willing to pay that price. And right. you're not the first person who said to me, man, I got disciplined when I heard you say that about Stephen King, even though your boss probably told you a million times that you should be disciplined. So the great recruiters are willing to transpose material. Like I wasn't shocked to see people as disparate. And again, everybody, Robin's list will be uh, on the podcast. Uh, but you've got classics like Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and and kind of, you know, out there stuff like Eckhart Tolle um, and, and Marianne uh, Williamson. So you have eclectic taste, which also says to me, yeah, but if I get something that means something to me, I will transpose it into my recruiting life. So the one you said, so many different things, yeah, things. Yeah, that you cannot, you can't get it from one book. You really can't. You just can't. You've got to get it from. I mean, because sometimes this is a very spiritual job. It's like you've got to sit there and go, you know, I got to give this thing meaning, or I'm not going to get up and do this and have somebody tell me, no, I don't want your stupid job again. You know, absolutely. No, yeah. I'm not interested. I'm retiring next week. You know, you 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 know, you just get beat down so much that, and you know, and you have other people that are like, oh my God, Robin, I'm getting laid off next week. I mean. All these people are getting laid off and they need jobs, and you're just going, oh, my God, they're coming at me like a bunch of zombies. You know, right. you have to, from a spiritual thing, is like, I've got to give this job some meaning. And so you've got to dig yep. down into that spiritual part of yourself. So there comes Marianne Williamson, whereas you might say, God, i got to get myself organized. And so there might be somebody else, and it's like, why am I avoiding this job? You read a book like from Vince Bassetti, who was an Olympic you know, skier, who says – it's our subconscious just beating the hell out of us and, you know, and yeah. the elephant, we got to deal with the ant, you know, that's our, right. our conscious mind telling us what to do. So, yeah. So let, let's end with, with this because um, you're, what, what, 18 years in the business now? 20? How, cool, how, how far along in the business are you? Something like that. Oh, you're still a baby. You're still a baby. So um, everybody gets down. Everybody has slumps. Everybody has the days, no matter how successful they've been, where they wake up and go, why me? I can't do this anymore. So let's talk a little bit about the book you said is my all-time best and that you still read it once a year, which made me smile because I'm thinking, is there a book that I still read once a year? And it is. It's Catcher in the Rye. But um, that's true of anybody of my generation, I think. Um, but the book that you said you read once a year is the, uh, the book by Art Berg, which is called – is it called The Impossible? Or is it no, called Only Take a Little Long? It just takes a little longer, yeah. yeah. The Impossible Takes a Little Longer. Can you just tell us a little bit about a synopsis of the summary of that book and why sure. it's so powerful? Um, Art Berg is a, is a guy that was a young guy. He was going to his wedding. He was getting married. Um, his groomsmen fell asleep at the wheel. They went off a cliff. Um, he ended up becoming paralyzed from the bottom down, from, from pretty much was a paraplegic. And things were tough, you know, and they basically said, you were going to have no life. You know, his wife, who was supposed to marry him, is sitting right there. Or they ended up, she ended up marrying him. But anyway, he went, He goes through a life of, like, being somebody like that, which, you know, his, at, at a young age really sucked. He got really upset. But his mom said something to him, well, the impossible is just going to take a little longer, you know, because they told him it was mm. impossible for him to do, you know, multiple things. He became the person that, the reason that when you go to a, that, that people who are um, disabled can get into a car and drive a rental car because they have those little machines that push the pedal. He was the one that said, you know, I want to be able to drive a car. 
and he ended up, I think it was the, um, I'm so bad at wow. him, but he was a guy that was, uh, became the LA Rams. I think mm-hmm. it was, or the Raiders. I can't remember which one it was, but he, mm-hmm. um, he, beca- he was actually considered, he mm-hmm. says, I'm the only paraplegic that's ever gotten the Super Bowl ring because he helped him win the Super Bowl because he taught them about winning and about what it took to get over wow. that slump. So it's just, it's a book where, you know, I mean, it's one of those, yeah, he overcame a lot of stuff and he, you know, the kind of, um, you know, that kind of thing that we all like to cheer for, you know, that Rudy guy yeah. kind of thing like that. But it's, but when he talks about the things, the, the process in which he went to get those things, I mean, he didn't just go, I'm just so internally strong. It's like he put his, he engaged his brain and said, Hey, how can I come up with a problem solving to this particular, I mean, how can I come up with a solution to this problem? And, and, you know, it wasn't just one of those, Hey, I'm just going to get through it by grits and gut. He got through it with his intelligence. And I, I really, right. That really kind of resonates with me that, you know, sometimes, you know, just being, you know, the will to do it is not just enough. Sometimes you just got to figure out, you got to put your brain in there too. And he did that. In the right. Because the popular thing is to talk about know your why, but sometimes you got to know a how, otherwise you, yeah. you can't. Well, what a great, profound thought. The impossible takes a little longer. I, I think one of the things I always try to find when someone's in a slump is a way without insulting them to say, Stop feeling sorry for yourself. And when you read a book like that, um, just like for me, the Victor Frankl book, Man's Search for Meaning, about a guy surviving the concentration camps, it's like you cannot feel sorry for yourself after reading about Art Burke or Victor Frankl. You just can't. And and I think that's just a real gift to be able to say, okay, enough of that. Let's do something. Or as you've often said to me, this shit ends now. Um, and Books like that are just always going to be helpful because, you know, recruiting is not linear. You're going to have dad, bad days, bad years, bad months, clients that uh, that don't have work for you after having tons of work, candidates who don't show up for work. You've got to have some sort of wellspring of spirit or energy that you can go to. And books help. Yeah, and his book, I think it was the the part too, is that he was just trying to make his own life better. I mean, because like I just want to drive a car. I want to so people don't have right. to get me, so I don't have to depend on other people. I want to make my life better, and as a result, he made so many other people's lives better. And so that's that's kind of the meaning I think when you were a recruiter is is that you know when I started recruiting, I just want to make my life better. I want to be able to pay my bills. I wanted to be able to right. give my kids some stuff. I wanted to you know I wanted some stuff. I mean, I hate to say it, but that was my motivator. It was nothing else. It was not about helping people it was not about anything else but I just want to make my life better and as a result I think that I can honestly say there's a lot of people and companies whose lives have been enriched because of me wanting to make my life better and I think that's the book too is like hey you know that that's that's where the whole you know that's why you got to give it all you got because you know like I said you're making your life better but at the end of the day if you do that everybody else will Right. And in that that way, books are tools, um, as opposed to I think the way people look at it now is why would I want to read a book when I've got so many other things to do? Um, Yeah, because they're good tools to help you accomplish exactly what it is you want to do. All right. Enough. Thank you for giving us some time. I really appreciate this. And we will get your uh, we will get your your list on the website and anybody uh, who wants to see what Robin reads. Um, you can see it on the podcast link. Thanks, Rob. Uh, talk to you later. <laughs> bye bye.